From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and Skywarn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the Stormfront Freaks podcast. It's brought to you by Extreme Tornado Tours. They're the world's most popular storm chase company. Uh, It seems like these guys are always on the storms uh, and the major ones, which is why you got to check it out. But their seats for the 2019 season are filling up fast, and they're running a big sale right now through the weekend uh, with $500 off select tours. So if you visit ExtremeTornadoTours.com slash sale, uh, you can get more details on that as well. But hey, if you're a first-time listener, thanks for stopping by. Uh, be sure to go to StormfrontFreaks.com, access our library of previous shows and famous weather guests from the weather industry, uh, like the Weather Channel's Jen Carfagno uh, and Fox and Friends' Janice Dean, uh, just a couple of folks we've had on in the past. But this is episode 75. And to celebrate National Women's History Month, we have award-winning Puerto Rican meteorologist Ada Monzon is joining us tonight. So, uh, yeah, looking, looking forward to chatting with her. We're also going to be playing our lightning round game and asking the question of the week, what do you think would be the hardest geography to forecast for? And I think we're going to have a lot of uh, feedback on that. We also have our exclusive tracker chat and tornado track segments. And we have a request to bring back another episode of Weather Fools. So we got a big show tonight. Uh, but before we get to all that, it is National Weather Podcast Month. And we're encouraging everyone to take the Weather Podcast Challenge, where you listen to an episode of each of the six independent weather podcasts this month. Uh, you can visit weatherpodcastmonth.com to find and learn more about some of the other great weather podcasts. Uh, there's ones like Weather Hype, Carolina Weather Group, Weather Brains. Uh, there's a new one called B Squared. And then with us tonight from Ice Station Houseman is co-host Joel Houseman. So Joel, welcome. Hey, Joel. Hey. Welcome, Thanks. Joel. Thanks for having me. So uh, good having you on the show. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, Ice Station Houseman later on. But uh, it's always happy hour at the Stormfront Freaks Bar uh, when we get together. It's our way of introducing our co-hosts as well as letting you know uh, we just like to have a little fun and, and be laid back around here. So I'm going to start first of course, with our intern this spring. Uh, So we found out Morgan Clark. uh, She's an atmospheric science major at Ohio State University, but we just found out you're you're potentially going to grad school. So you haven't picked which one yet. Where are you you going? Tell Um, us right now. Give us a scoop. (laughs) Aren't you going to wait for the baseball cap and make the announcement and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have an official, you know, I don't know, draft the decision. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> the decision. It's going to be live on Stormfront Freaks podcast. Yes, yes. So what are the options? Hat. Colorado State and Wisconsin. 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 But you do get skiing in Colorado. Yeah, so. I do like to ski. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, geez, skiing. I don't know. Further away, it seems it seems nicer. I've never been in mountain time, you know? Well, yes. save, save your bombshell announcement for the show, but what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a white wine. It didn't like specify what kind of wine it is, just white. <laughs> oh, and I have those white wines. <laughs> and it's on, um, Sun 
glass. Oh, those okay. glasses. I yeah. think I've seen Fitting. those. Fitting. My roommate has a whole set of planets. I broke a few, though. Uh-oh. Pluto. Pluto broke last year. Pluto. It's right. not a real planet. planet. <laughs> All right, Maz. Maz, what are you drinking tonight? I am having LaCroix, unless you're Woo! French, then it's LaCroix. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, karate, surate, something like that. Uh, it's kiwi sandia. All I know is it says, like, zero sodium, zero calories, zero sweetener. And my son's like, zero flavor? And I'm like, yeah, no, it's, right. it's got that's some. It's plenty right. of artificial All right. flavor. It's All good. right, Dina. Dina, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a new, like, Angry Orchard Hard Cider Rosé. Look at that. Oh, I'm expanding my horizons a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're off well, the hard I'm stuff. not angry yet, but maybe after a few. <laughs> Okay, and then we have our, our guest co-host Joel uh, is with us. So, Joel, what are, what are you drinking? Are you bringing anything to the bar? Or? Well, well, as of uh, uh, originally from Southwestern Virginia, I'm required to to have the uh, the Dr Pepper. It's <laughs> oh, a, really? It's a staple. Yeah, the the state soda uh, or pop. It, it's from it down that that way. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, do you guys call pop it there. Yeah, uh, pop we or say soda? we say. We say soda, but honestly, <laughs> no. honestly, everyone just refers everything to generically as Coke, whether it's actually yeah. Coke or not. <laughs> True. Do they True. do they still have those twenty three herbs in that or twenty? It's, it, oh, it's supposed to be like yeah, twenty eight or twenty three something. Spice. Yeah. It used to say on the the yeah, well, yeah, it does too. Twenty three authentic blend of flavors. I think okay. Colonel oh, Sanders. Colonel Sanders had something to do with that, didn't he? Let's move on. That was no one's, here, no yeah. one's here to know what's in Dr. Pepper, but we are here <laughs> to find out a little bit about our guest. So, Maz, I'm going to flip it over to you. Awesome. Thank you. Ada Monzon is here with us for tonight. Chief Meteorologist from WIPR-TV in Puerto Rico. She's the first female meteorologist in Puerto Rico and an expert in hurricanes and tropical weather. She's an American Meteorological Society Fellow Awardee and Broadcaster of the Year. They just keep piling the awards on you. <laughs> Ada is also the founder of the Eco Exploratorio. Is that right? I said that right? Exploratorio? Yes, yes you did right. Okay, good. All right. Good. Puerto Rico Science Museum and her messaging before, during, and after Hurricane Maria reached over 31 million viewers. That is oh, awesome. Man. She finished her bachelor's degree in mathematics from the University of Puerto Rico, Rio Piedras. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking it tonight. Okay. Good. And her master's degree in meteorology from Florida State University. Welcome, Ada. Glad you're oh. here. Welcome. Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you so much. You're, you're such a great crowd. I am happy to be here. We're excited uh, to have you guys. They oh, thank you so well. much. <laughs> so what's it like to be the first female meteorologist in Puerto Rico? I mean, is it something, do you like, I'm the first, or is it like, oh, go on, or is it like a dream come true? Tell me, uh, like, what's it like? Well, even since I was a kid, I knew that I loved weather. My, um, I grew up with my mother, my grandmother, and my mother, and they were all teachers. And my aunt, she was the science teacher, and she had this beautiful Time Life collection of books. And they had, she had especially the weather book, and I knew it by heart. 
I knew my clouds. I knew my instruments. So I always knew that I wanted to be a meteorologist. My mother was not so convinced because she said, well, but I mean, there are no other women around. So there was no role model for me to follow. So I used to go to the National Weather Service office and there was Dr. Jose Colon, who was the MIC of the Weather Service office. And he always was so supportive. And he said, you continue on and you go to university. Uh, you have to go to and get a master's degree and then you come back to Puerto Rico. So exactly that's what I did. I got, I got into FSU and I got a NASA fellowship um that was really helpful because it you know i didn't have that i wasn't going to be able to to get my degree and uh yeah so that that really when i came back yes i was the first but it never it actually has never ever been into my system like i'm the first is that you know i hope that with my presence not only as at, at the weather service office because that's where i started working for and through my university years and through the broadcast uh, period that I'm still in, um, I hope that I'm inspiring more women into the field. And this is something very interesting. Um, we have now a meteorology program at the University of Puerto Rico in Maya West, which we started about um, 10 years ago. And most of the graduates from the program are women. And so we have uh, PhDs, master's degrees and you know i am so proud of them and i always support them i'm like their godmother <laughs> more godmother or mother but it is it is a very beautiful feeling to know that we are leaving the meteorology um career in very good hands you know for the future now with 31 million viewers that one time did you know you have your biggest fan on air tonight with us morgan is on with us oh, <laughs> oh morgan Aww. well i i'd like to add that i'm glad that i live in an era where i can have role models so thank you for being one of them i can't say you're the one that made me change because you know i didn't know of you when i was younger but i do have a similar story with the book i my grandma was a librarian she had this like tornado book and that mm -hmm. was very interesting to me when i was probably seven years old and i think that's what mm -hmm. sparked my interest in weather so yeah, it's very similar and i'm also amazed that you've been working for in meteorology for 30 years like that I, you don't look it. So that, no. <laughs> that's a, that was one of like the i remember at ams i was like there's no way I do have a question. Um, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you talking about? Your daughters? No, no, no. That I, I also have three beautiful daughters. None of them wants to be in science. They're all in finance. So, but still, <laughs> you know, they, they <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but the thing is that they got this discipline, the scientific discipline. They do have it because they, I mean, they had to do science fairs with me. <laughs> like for six years <laughs> yeah but it, it's it's very interesting uh you know time flies and i i still feel like you know um this is not over actually after hurricane maria there's so much to do that it's like i am starting once again into a new path so you you were talking about now the university and and the number of women graduating uh, with with meteorological degrees, how was it thirty years ago in Puerto Rico? What what was the the climate like for a woman 
to be in a STEM program like that and to be in science? Um, what's changed over those 30 years? You know, um, there was one person at the National Weather Service Forecast Office where when I used to volunteer, and he told me once that I would never be a meteorologist uh, because the career was very tough and that uh, working shifts was going to be very hard on me and my family. So that, that really uh, made me very mad. And um, later on, when I came back, he was not there at the office at that time. Um, even when I was at FSU, most of the of the um, of the my my uh, you know the students in in the classrooms they were all males. Uh, very few women in the meteorology program, especially in the graduate program. And I was with the only. A professor, the only woman professor at FSU, which was Dr. Sharon Nicholson, and she still is. And so, so I learned to survive in in an environment where there were all men, very few women. But I realized very early on that you cannot pay attention to comments and things because you are here for you have a mission. And you're making sure you have to accomplish and you have to keep focused on the things that you want to do and achieve in your life. So those are like noise. Those are like noise around you, but you don't pay attention. And um, sometimes it hurts, but, you know, we everything hurts even in broadcast community when you do something that people don't like or the, the forecast was not good. You, you learn to... Um, go through all of these periods and uh, you know i've i've learned that it doesn't matter um you have to do what you need to do and you have to feel happy about what you do no. i agree definitely because people are going to put you down no matter what and it makes me wonder like how are people in puerto rico as um as viewers are they as rude as they are here <laughs> Well, you know, me. it's a mix. It's a mix. Um, it's like everywhere else. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any difference. When um, we had Hurricane Maria uh, threatened and Hurricane Irma before Maria, I had a lot of. I don't know how to say this in English, but I think they're called memes. Yeah, uh, like when people yeah. right. So people made a lot of uh, of fun about uh, me. I laughed a lot. You know, they were like. Is Adam Monson doing a Facebook Live? Like they were all scared, or you know, things like that. And and people, um, at the, you know, it got to a point that I started blocking people because I didn't want to continue to receive all these messages um, because people didn't want to believe that we were threatened by Category Five hurricane. Not once, twice in two weeks. So it was very hard for all of us to handle the the threat and then we were all scared i was scared but i saw that in social media that that was my only chance to do whatever i want with the tools that i had around me to get the message out it was the sense of urgency that really moved me and and, you know, I use the social media as my main platform. You know, I, I work for TV, I work for radio, and that was very important. But your time frame in those platforms is, is very limited. 
So Facebook was the was the way for me to to bring the message and to alert people of what was going to happen every three hours. Every time we had a bulletin, I was on. And I translated the information that we were getting in the bulletin into something that anyone can use because it's very hard, very hard to get a bulletin of 175 miles per hour winds. And all of a sudden, how are you going to interpret that? So um, we, you know, it took a lot of, of me, but I knew that life had prepared me somehow for that moment. And I changed from being from being a meteorologist into a friend. And somehow that transition, I didn't know it was happening, but the situation brought me into that point. You know, when when that that Wednesday morning when we had Hurricane Maria entering Puerto Rico, um, it was six in the morning. I mean, it was we were at the TV station. Everything was like all these noises, like everything was falling into the into the roof of the building, and I thought I was going to die um, because we had a huge tower, like more than a hundred feet tower. And everything from the tower was falling over the roof where, where we where we were doing the transmission. And I started crying and praying. Can you imagine yourself praying in front of a Facebook Live or on TV and radio? You know, I just became me. You know, I just became one of us. And it's it's very hard to even remember all the emotional um, th things that happened. But today I was at the AT and we were talking about energy, how energy destroyed Puerto Rico. And uh, something that I realized even today that we, we have to change the message. We have to change everything we have said for the last 15, 20, or 30 years to prepare people. We need to change the message because extreme events are going to be more frequent. And it's going to happen to all of us. All of us are going to be part, we're, we're all going to be victims of climate change. And we, and I, I'm a victim of climate change now. And I didn't realize that, that for some reason, because we're still working with the aftermath, and um, it's it's very difficult to to be a victim and try to prepare and educate and do all these things at the same time. Um, a lot of emotional component and behavioral component is coming into place and is not getting easier every day. It's not. What? what of, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What is go it ahead, like Gina. now in Puerto Rico? It's been like eighteen months. I mean, what's it, it like there? We're back. I mean, the tourism is back. Uh, it's a innovation. Uh, I think that we have a huge opportunity now after Hurricane Maria to do better. We cannot keep doing things like we did before. That's why we have to not think of outside of the box. We have to break the box and start over. And I think that we're in a good path. Um, it's just that it's a process and it takes time. And, you know, as long as we walk on the same way, on 
Although we can have disagreements on how to do things, as long as we have the same purpose and, and the same goals, we're going to be fine. Um, it's 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 better, but still we have some areas in Puerto Rico that are are, are they have no roofs in 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 some of the houses. Um, you know the the strong and resilient houses they fared well. They had water damage or maybe some minor damage, um, but the ones that were not resilient, the ones that are not built by uh, under the code or they're not in the safe areas unfortunately they had major damage and with you know the recovery is is probably not as fast as we want because the funding to make the recovery faster is not coming fast enough so everything is being delayed even even something that i heard today you know we let, and let me pull out these numbers Energy was a big issue. We needed 62,000 poles, electric poles. Wow. 62,000. 62,000. 2, wow. uh, 2 million feet uh, foot of cable for all the lines, for the transmission lines, for the for all that. So when, when they try to call, you know, from the government, they tried to call and get these things. There was no material. Resources are finite for catastrophic events. Uh, even people from FEMA that I know that they were working to get some of the supplies. When you were asking in terms of thousands that what you needed, there were no resources even in the United States. So. That's something that we have to think about. Um, we have to think about extreme events, how to prepare, and how to start working in either piling up for for these things in some centers, or or having uh, the distribution. Also, there, there are many issues that we as meteorologists, of course, we we educate. We are the link between the community and the science. But at the same time, we are part of this of the policy of the public uh, policy that is around us, and we need to bring that science so that the uh, politicians and the government take the best decision and make the best decisions for preparing to these catastrophic events. So there's a lot to learn, especially in the in terms of health. I never thought that we were going to have so many deaths. 2,975 deaths. Wow. That's, That's something That's that is unbelievable. Yeah. That's insane. So, it, it, and we think about Katrina, and this was even worse than Katrina. Uh, so, I don't know the answer. We're still looking for the right way to do things, but we are back. And business is back for many people, but there are many issues. You have to think about energy, communications, social services, education, infrastructure, health, you know, so many details that we have to think about and be prepared for. Ada, I had one more question. You were talking about preparation because I was wondering, you know, now what would you do different? You kind of answered a lot of that. A lot of that's preparation. But I was reading that you were starting or trying to start um, a weather network, 
with earth networks mm -hmm. and there was something like 12 stations so how does that work well we have now 17 17 uh, weather stations five uh, 12 of them are already online Five will be pretty soon because we coordinate that with the Puerto Rico Department of Education. So what we're trying to do, so schools are communities, right? At the same time, they're, they're school communities. And that's where we gather uh, our future generation and the teachers. And we're trying to build resiliency through innovation in STEM education. And that's a project that we have taken for the last 18 months that actually we're finishing by the end of this month. And it's it's been very interesting because now we're providing, you know, we lost all the weather infrastructure, Dina. We lost it. We lost the Doppler radar. I show that at the AMS. Um, even a month after the hurricane destroyed the Doppler radar, um, I went out there with the engineering, uh, some of the engineers of the University of Puerto Rico in Maya West, and we found the radar. It was, it was debris. What we wow. found, we kept, we kept the feed horn. The feed horn we have it at the museum. Let me tell you, that that we found the feed horn, but nothing else. And uh, even the tower was kind of tilted and turned. So we know that the huge tornado, that the debris field was huge, and the last reading from the radar at 4,000 feet was 223 miles per hour. Wow. And that was when the eye was about to make landfall because there was a, a, um, a double eye configuration. At the time it made landfall, but it, the, the inner eye was, was collapsing while the outer eye was becoming more intense. And that's exactly when the outer eye hit the radar, you know, those winds hit the radar. That's when we lost it. it so we lost everything. And we started with the weather um, network, with Earth Network, to start a new um, weather stations, especially for schools, to, to get students inspired on this. It, it was in the middle of, if, if I'm not mistaken, going through an eyewall replacement cycle, right, as it was coming to Puerto Rico. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it went from 175 miles per hour, then it went to 155, 155 miles per hour when it made landfall. But, you know, this is the, this is the point. Puerto Rico is 75% mountains, okay? So yes, it might have been 155 miles per hour at landfall at sea level, but as soon as it hit the mountains, you know, like what happened with the uh, with the radar, we had more than 200 miles per hour. So nobody wants to believe that this was a cat four. So I say, don't worry, it was a cat four point nine. Two miles an hour does <laughs> make no difference. It makes no difference, but. Um, Still, in you know, it's very hard for people, especially in the mountainous region, to remember. Uh, well, hey, I'm I'm going to take a quick break, uh, but hey, you guys, you all have your favorite go-to daily weather app, right? I mean, just the one where you're trying to get your daily weather information. How many times do you have to click 
or scroll through your weather app to find all the information that you're looking for. Swipe up, tap, all that kind of stuff. Can you believe there's a new app that shows you the hourly temp, the sky cover, and precipitation forecast for the next 24 hours, and your local radar, all beautifully in on one screen. So you can look at one screen, all this information's on there. Atmosphere Weather, it's the last daily weather app that you're ever going to use. You can scroll through the next seven days to see what's ahead. Uh, Atmosphere Weather can also integrate your calendar and display your events on its 24-hour daily clock so you can tell if you'll need to bring an umbrella to the soccer game this weekend. Uh, but you got to try it to believe it. Download Atmosphere Weather. Now it's on iOS and Android, and you can try it for free. Again, search Atmosphere Weather. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, go ahead and refill your drink and check out Tracker Chat with the Tornado Trackers discussing the tornado events that shape them. Uh, we'll go ahead. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tracker Chat, the podcast within a podcast. We are the Tornado Trackers. My name is Jeremy Heyman, and I'm joined by my chase partners, Gabe Cox and Jeff Mangum. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the tornado events that shaped us in our youths. Um, this week, uh, we're going to hear from Jeff Mangum on what his uh, tornado event that shaped his life was. I think the tornado that, that shaped me the most is, um, is the Gerald, Texas tornado. It's May 27th, 1997. And there were seven or eight tornadoes that that dropped down and they they never moved to the east they always stayed uh, in a straight line really kind of parallel with i-35 um, and they went south the entire afternoon and so i was uh, going to college about 15 miles north um, in a small town called belton texas and um, i had chased uh, about uh, two hours, maybe an hour and a half before the Gerald tornado, um, saw an F3 tornado in Morgan's Point, Texas. And uh, that thing uh, dropped right behind me. And it was really intimidating, really, really strong. And I uh, went back to the house and um, started seeing reports that, uh, that a tornado had been seen um, and spotted just north of Gerald. And so got back in my car and drove down I-35. And um, once we got into kind of the town itself of Gerald, um, the tornado at that point had had wedged out. And so um, what was really unique about this is it started as a, as a really thin drill bit tornado about four or five miles north, and it moved remarkably slow, I think five miles an hour. From where we were at, it was, it was um, clouded in, in rain, um, and we didn't know that it was going through really the only true neighborhood in Gerald. Gerald's a small town, uh, very close knit. And that, that tornado came through, um, the Doubletree Estates, which was, uh, really the, the most prominent neighborhood in Gerald and, and absolutely, um, took everything out. And it, it, uh, some of the scenes that we saw, um, after that, or the pavement being ripped up, you saw um, cows and you saw animals that were dismembered all over the place. It was an awful, awful sight. And uh, 27 people had lost their lives that day. Um, I just remember that entire day being a very, very unique kind of weather setup. Um, the Cape was extreme. So I think the numbers were anywhere from 6,500. Um, and then I think Texas A&M had a 
uh, a weather balloon they put out and had a reading of, of near 9,000. So um, very volatile uh, atmosphere, but I'll never get the the chase day itself out of my mind, but also the images afterwards and kind of the toll that that thing has taken. Yeah, that's incredible. And you have a, if you're okay talking about it, an yeah. interesting legacy yeah. with that tornado too, with the work that your your dad was able to do in that community afterwards. Yeah, uh, my dad, who who passed away about two and a half years ago, he um, one of the things that he did was he was a chaplain and a counselor for uh, men and women who were first responders to any kind of disaster. And so, a few hours after the tornado, um, I got in and around Gerald, and they had, you know, they had put up all the tape around the town. Uh, the First Baptist Church there was the place where families who were looking for lost ones or ones that in their families they couldn't find. Um, they had a list on the front of names that of those who had not been accounted for, and they would wait in that church. And then, if they were found, or Unfortunately, parts of them were found that someone from the community would come in and and let them know that they found uh, their loved one who was deceased and and it was just uh, just a really a, a horrible scene to be around. But my dad was there uh, giving um, counsel and just kind of being kind of a shoulder to cry on, um, whether they just lost someone or they just lost their house. So I, I was there with him during that. So kind of seeing the agony of the toll of that. Um, in so many families. And and I would say one more aspect of that with the, kind of the loss of life and the significance of this tornado was the entire families died. So it, very rarely did you find one person who was not with his family or her family. It was families of four or families of five in, in, and together in their homes. And so uh, there was just a lot of emotional toll that took on a lot of folks. And then I got to uh, see see that firsthand with alongside my dad. Mm, absolutely. Such a dark, dark day yeah. um, for so many folks and just the human toll that these storms take sometimes, especially when they are so unpredictable and, and so strange that like Gerald was. Yeah. Thanks for that, Jeff. Yeah. Amen. Such a harrowing, harrowing story. Um, well, we have been the tornado trackers and this has been tracker chat, the podcast within a podcast. I've been Jeremy Heyman, and I've been joined by Gabe Cox and Jeff Mangum. Find us online at Tornado Trackers, uh, pretty much everywhere on social media. And our website is tornadotrackers.org. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Helicity.co is the leader in weather-themed clothing and accessories for the Stormfront Freak and you. Besides a creative line of weather-themed t-shirts, footwear, bags, and more, they also carry an exclusive line of Stormfront Freak's podcast gear and drinkware. Get a 5% discount on your entire order when you use the code SFF for Stormfront Freaks at checkout. That code again is SFF. Find it all at Helicity.co. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're with Puerto Rican meteorologist Ada Manzon. Uh, we've been getting all kinds of uh, amazing information about uh, the, the Hurricane Maria specifically. Uh, but I, I, I want to keep the questions going because I think we got plenty of them. So uh, I'll turn it over. Maz, I think you, you had a question. Why don't, why don't we start with you? Yeah, um, Ada, because 
I'm very curious to hear more about the museum. Well, the Science Museum was is a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, that I founded um, about 10 years ago. And, and this, this foundation has been working to, to build STEM interest and inspire students in STEM careers and protecting our natural world. We, Puerto Rico is a beautiful island and uh, we are surrounded by beautiful waters and beautiful skies and beautiful nature, beautiful ecosystems. And we need to make sure that in our economic development, the island's economic development, we have the, the workforce and we need to push into the pipeline these students that are that need to be interested in STEM. So um, in that sense, so I founded the museum and we have been working from a space, a, uh, like a store space from uh, Plaza Las Americas, which, which is the main shopping center here in Puerto Rico. We have about 2,500 square feet and we developed the first exhibition of the museum and it's called Oceanica. It's about the oceans. And we had this beautiful, exhibition put together with live species and we have an education room and we have virtual reality and we have many things going on but it's a small but inspiring place and we have received about 25,000 people every year and um, we receive funding from uh, from the tickets from grants from donations and um now we are looking forward to build the museum. I think Hurricane Maria has given us the, the support because now we know that we need a hub for natural disaster mitigation. And we need to get our education into a, a, bigger, a bigger space and, a bigger, um, and, a, and an area where we can do our outreach. And um, we think that we have at least now we are eligible for some of the federal funding and we are starting to write proposals. We have a, a land near the convention center that is going to be supported by tourism. Um, so local and tourism will engage into getting the science museum going. And we are looking forward that in the next two or three years, we have a 65,000 square feet museum, and it would be the first of its kind in Puerto Rico. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. You know, you're the president and founder, right? Yes. Excellent. The, I'm, I'm the board of directors. That's my volunteer job. It sounds like you get a full 45 minutes sleep a night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, about four to five hours. A good yeah. four to five hours. Yeah. Hey, I, 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 I don't want to leave Joel out. I know, Joel, you had a question for Ada as well. well. So my, my, my thought was when you were describing your experience of being in the station there when you're trying to report on Maria as you're writing out Maria, um, having, you know, everything that you thought was important and that you knew about a storm of that caliber before the storm hit versus after it hit, what was the one thing that surprised you the most that you now think would be important for people to know having been through it in, you know, yourself? You know, um, when you look at the, 
reasons are how, why you know how, how people died. Um, we had very few direct deaths. We had, you know, all of them. I, I wouldn't have. I didn't want to have even one. So, all of them are terrible. But energy to me, the fact that we didn't have energy, and we couldn't get that. You know, we couldn't get any energy source, energy fuel, anything. We were isolated. We couldn't communicate with anyone. That to me was very scary, very scary. And being like that for weeks and months, you know, I didn't get my electricity back for like three months. Wow. And yeah. and I have I have an electric generator, a good electric generator here in my house. And I in my house there were 12 12 people, my mother, my cousins, my friends, they were all in my house. In a way, it was fun because I couldn't remember since I was a kid when I had that many people in my house sleeping <laughs> over there, okay? So, so, so every time I came back from, from work, I had food. I <laughs> Somebody had cooked for me. So and we were talking until very late at night. So there were good things, you know, people were out on the streets and children were playing outside in the streets. But in, in the sense that I, how my message is going to change, I am going to put more focus on the energy issues and, and being self. Uh, I don't know how to say this in English, and I'm sorry, I don't. But to be a, a self a, prepared or self-reliable. Self, um, re self-sufficient? I mean, yeah. Self-sufficient. Yeah. To be self-sufficient um, because you cannot depend on anyone, okay? Yeah. So you were assuming, you were assuming that you were going to have energy or at least some kind of communication. Mm -mm. You assume that you were going to have your market or something uh, to buy food or to buy water, but all of a sudden, it was four weeks. Where in the emergency plans did you say that you needed to have food and water for 14 or 21 days? No, you say three days, mm -hmm. four days, maybe seven days, because you assume that everything is going to work. Well, maybe it works for the United States, but it doesn't work in the island environment. In the island environment is difficult because now we lost our ports. There was no way to get things, humanitarian aid through ships because all the ports have lost their markings, the, the buoys, you know, we couldn't get fuel into the island. So everybody was making lines like for hours and hours and hours. And when you get a chance to get your uh, fuel, uh, you can only do five or ten dollars. I don't remember how much, but not enough. But you had your family that it was far away. So we had to rethink everything we did, even going to work. I remember going with my husband in one car because we needed to, you know, uh, be thoughtful about the fuel. And yeah, things like that. that you never thought that you were going to need. Now 
is very is is going to be part of my message. It has to change. It has to change, so, and that's what I'm telling you that in in weather events that are catastrophic, you need to change your message. It's not one message for all. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, we, I'm going to keep things moving here, guys. Uh, one question I do have for you, Ada, is how how can our listeners find you or or follow you on social media? Oh, it's very easy. You just follow me uh, at Ada Monzon, A-D-A-M-O-N-Z-O-N, in Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. In Facebook is Ada R. Monzon, A-D-A-R-M-O-N-Z-O-N. And also you can follow Eco Exploratorio, the Science Museum, at E-C-O-E-X-P-L-O-R-A-T-O-R-I-O, Eco Exploratorio. Very good. Okay, and we'll have those in our show notes so uh, people can uh, follow that as well. But, hey, that is our sign. It is time for our lightning round, which is our game show of flashy questions we always play with our guest. And, Ada, tonight we are going to play a game that I call Trippy. It's called Trippy. Trippy? Yep, Trippy. A little T-R-I-P-P-Y. It's a little trippy. And so here, here let me explain what this game is. So we're going to do this. We're going to see... How well uh, we all know of our greatest tourist attractions. So I have got uh, planetware.com. I've got the top tourist attractions, top 10 in the USA, and the top 10 in Puerto Rico. And so I'm going to pit Ada against the freaks. And uh, Ada, you are going to try and pick uh, what the top 10 greatest tourist attractions in Puerto Rico are. And the freaks have to try to pick the top ten greatest attractions in the USA. And what I'm going to oh, do? Oh, thank God! If it was the other way around, we'd be yeah, yeah, we'd like be here all night. <laughs> so I'm going to go. Uh, whoever gets to three strikes first. So whoever gets to three that they guessed wrong uh, will be the loser. And of course, then the other one uh, is the winner. So, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with the freaks. And I'm just going to kind of go down the list. So Dina, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Um, these are the top ten tourist attractions in the United States. And now these can be landmarks, they can be places to go and uh, visit, stuff like that, but the top 10. So what, what is your first guess? Um, let's see. I'll probably say New York, maybe the Statue of Liberty? Say the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> that would be correct. Statue Ooh, of Liberty okay. uh, is number three. Okay. Uh, so you got that one right. Uh, now I'm going to go to Ada. So Ada, you've got the top ten tourist attractions in Puerto Rico. What do you think might be on the list? Old San Juan. Old San Juan, and that is correct. Ooh. That is number four on yeah, the yeah, list. That's cool. That's number cool. Number four. Yeah. So you got that one. All right. So now I'm going to go back to the freaks. Uh, Joel, I'm going to start with you now. Uh, Joel, you've got nine more to pick from. What do you think's on the list? The Grand Canyon's got to be on there. The Grand Canyon, that is number right. one. Oh, well done. Nice. number one on the list. So, Joel, got that done. I'm going to go back to you, Ada. Okay, El Morro, El, the and, fort. And El Morro, the fort. El Morro, the fort. Now, forgive me here as I'm looking up all these Spanish names. And uh, uh, I'm going to say no. no. El Morro. How, spell it. Spell it. Uh, E L. Yep. M O R R O. 
Nope, that's not on there. That's not on there. All right. So, okay. this, and, and if you got a problem with it, you just got to take it up with planetware.com. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. I didn't make these up. Okay. Now we're going back to the freaks. Maz, you got eight uh, more on the board. Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. It was like family food. That Good answer. Correct. Good answer. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah, thank you. I started deleting them, so I don't remember what numbers they're on now, but you got it. You got well, it. So what, Ada, what, where did that rank on the list? I think it was number two, but I started deleting them, okay. so you can't tell now. I, I won't be able to give you the answer on that. But Ada, I'm going back to you. Pick another one. El Yunque. El Yunque. El, the rainforest. El Yunque Natural Rainforest. That is correct. Oh, everybody's that is correct. Butt. So you got that one. All right, now I'm going to Morgan. Morgan, we got seven more for the U.S. Alrighty, I'm gonna. You got the Grand Canyon. That was my go-to. Um, Old Faithful, the the geyser. Oh, That's yeah. what's. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and where is that? Uh, Yosemite. Is that one of the? Is that Yosemite, Yosemite National Park? It's not yeah, jelly, yeah. Jellystone. Uh, Yellowstone. <laughs> oh shoot! No. I think okay, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're it's right. Yellowstone. Right. Correct. It's, it's Yellowstone. It's, Yosemite it's in California. You're right. Yeah. Yellowstone. Yellowstone National Park was on the list. So good job. All right, Ada, going back to you. Are you cheating? You're looking at something. <laughs> I'm going to call, call cheater on I'm you. I'm so here. sorry. Messages. Um, the bioluminescent bay in Vieques. Uh, the bioluminescent mosquito there, bay, whatever yeah, that last word bay. is. Yes, oh. that is. <laughs> that is a yes. I want to see that. Yeah. However you pronounce that. All right, we're going back to the freaks. Dina, you're back. I'm you got six Mount more. Rushmore. Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. That's oh. incorrect. Oh. Wow. So you each got you each got a strike. Ada, going back to you. Pick another one. You got seven. The more. radar. The radar at the Arecibo Observatory. Uh, uh, the, the the huge radar here, platform. With here's the what I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna give it to you because I I see Observatorio <laughs> de Arecibo. Exactly. Okay. Just say it right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she says yeah that one. <laughs> That's right. All right, so good job. So you got it. We're going back to the freaks. Uh, Joel, we got six on the board. Um, uh, I used to work a few blocks from it. I gotta say the White House. The White House. The White House is correct. That's Joel, uh, you keep stealing one. all my answers. All right, Ada, going back to you. You got six on the board still. Another um, tourist attraction in Puerto Rico. I mean, the islands of Vieques and Culebra. I mean, everybody wants to go to Culebra, to the Flamenco Beach. Uh, Culebra. Paya Flamenco, that is correct. Paya Flamenco. Is wow. yeah, I know, beautiful. I am I am tempting you guys to come to Puerto Rico. You, well, that this is already, the goal, right? Is to right help, help you increase tourism. Well, hey, didn't you say you you can fit twelve in your house? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maz. Yes, the more the merrier. <laughs> Maz, you're up. We got five U.S. attractions still on the board. Uh, how about uh, Lincoln Memorial? Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> that is incorrect. What? That is not on there. So, uh, freaks, you got you only got one one strike left to go. Ada, back to you. Oh my God! Why me? Um, um, people like to go to Rincon, to the waves, to do the uh, a surf. Surfing. Surfing. Yeah. Surfing in surfing Rincon. At Rincon, I'm gonna say that is a no. <gasps> not on there. All right, hey, but hey, that's just another one. I mean, you're, you're going through all the great options in Puerto Rico. All right, so you got you guys both have two strikes, Morgan. Oh, it's coming down to you. On. There's five on Morgan. the board. I have a map on my wall. I keep I keep looking at it. 
to like you know cheater no 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 i'm not looking at the internet <laughs> go ahead I, you're up I, um i gotta vegas? think there's Las Vegas. That's a good answer. Oh, that's a good the one. Las Vegas oh, Strip. I, 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 yeah, Vegas yeah strip. I was going to say it doesn't necessarily have to be it. like a park or something. It can be yeah. other. All right. Yeah. All right, Otto, we're back to you. Now, you got two strikes as well, so pressure's on. Well, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite places. It's in Calle. It's called Guavate, where the pork pork. <laughs> Guavate. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Guavate. How, how do you spell G -U -A, that? G U A G U A V as in Victor A T E. That is incorrect. <laughs> no pressure. Thirty-one, 31 so, million people watching. That's right. So I'll tell you what, Ada, that was that was awesome because you were on your own team. All these yeah, guys got like five people on their team. So let, let me cover what you guys missed. So in the United States, we still had Walt Disney World Resort. Oh, oh. Times Square. Man. What was the other one? Times Square. Oh, yeah. Okay. The yeah, Golden yeah. Gate oh. Bridge. Oh, yeah. And Waikiki. Yep. In oh, I went to Hawaii. Oh, I wasn't yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, here's what we still had in Puerto Rico. Now, you might have to help me with this, Ada. Um, okay. Castillo San Felipe del Moro. That's the one. I oh, told did you, you say I that one? You. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Doesn't matter. Okay. okay so that was well, that was okay. So I'm gonna call a tie. <laughs> I, I told you I was gonna screw this up. So all right, so you got that one. Here's the other one. And I you probably got this one too. Uh the Camu Caves, C A M U Y. Uh, caves. Okay, the caves, yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, yeah, the, caves. the caves. Then there's uh uh Maceo de Arte de Ponce. Oh, yeah, Museo de Arte de Ponce. Yeah, talk about museums. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I said. All right, the other right. one is Playa, <laughs> Playa Mar Chiquita, Manati. Eh, Manati, right. That's a beautiful beach. Is it? Okay, yeah. so these are all beaches. Cool. And then the last one was Cabo Rojo Lighthouse. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, beautiful. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. That's good. It's not on all your right. top ten. <laughs> yeah, right. Until that happens. So, anyway, uh, great job, Ada. Great job for uh, playing. Thanks for playing along. We're going to go ahead and take our final break uh, with our Tornado Talk segment, sharing the story of the 1994 Piedmont, Alabama F4 tornado that happened on Palm Sunday. And we'll be right back with some Weather Fools. The Palm Sunday outbreak of March 27, 1994. It was a devastating day across the South. Per the Storm Prediction Center, there were 29 tornadoes across five states, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Seven were rated F3, and two were given a rating of F4. A total of 42 fatalities and over 320 injuries occurred. This tornado narrative will focus on the deadliest tornado out of this outbreak and of 1994. It was rated F4 and moved 50 miles through St. Clair, Calhoun, and Cherokee counties in Alabama and lifted just over the Georgia state line. The supercell that produced this tornado tracked at least 200 miles from east central Alabama into South Carolina. The Goshen United Methodist Church in Piedmont, Alabama was hit during Palm Sunday services. 20 people at the church were killed and 90 were injured. The Piedmont tornado developed one mile south-southwest of Ragland in St. Clair County. It raced to the northeast between 45 and 55 miles per hour. Several structures east of town were destroyed. The tornado then moved into the Neely Henry Lake area. A woman was killed as she tried to secure a boat. The storm moved into Calhoun County, and a man was killed when the van he was in was thrown into a ditch. 
This occurred as the twister crossed U.S. Highway 431. Three others in the van were injured. Away from this area, the tornado continued its northeast track, causing scattered damage to mainly homes. It entered Cherokee County at 11.35 a.m. Central Standard Time. At 11.39 a.m., the tornado destroyed the Goshen United Methodist Church. The time was determined by a radio time check of a Piedmont, Alabama police officer's call to police headquarters as he spotted the tornado about to strike the church. He had no time to warn them. The National Weather Service in Birmingham, Alabama issued a tornado warning for southern Cherokee County about 12 minutes before the tornado hit the church. The congregation did not have a NOAA weather radio or any other means of receiving a warning. Reverend Kelly Clem was the pastor at Goshen United Methodist Church when the tornado hit. She lost her four-year-old daughter Hannah in the storm. Here is Reverend Clem in an interview for the United Methodist Church in 2011. I was the pastor of Goshen United Methodist Church in 1994. It was Palm Sunday. We were halfway through the service and a tornado dropped down and destroyed the entire church and 20 people were killed. One of those killed was my four-year-old daughter, Hannah. I went towards where Hannah was. I did find her and she was unconscious and I, I just talked to her and I patted her and um, reassured her that I was here. A rescue worker came and took her and tried to uh, see if they could revive her and uh, they weren't able to. Goshen United Methodist Church was eventually rebuilt just a little further down County Highway 9. The original site was turned into a memorial garden. An article in the Birmingham News on May 6, 2011, describes how Goshen United Methodist Church came together after another horrific tornado event, the April 27, 2011 super outbreak. Approximately 100 of its members were involved in volunteering to help the victims. The church became a relief center with supplies. Renee Turner coordinated the efforts and she was quoted as saying, we're here because of the tornado in 1994. We rebuilt because of everyone else's donations. We have to be the first responder. We have to set the example that good can come from all the heartache. I'm just proud to be part of such an amazing group that wants to give back. Details about this event were gathered from the National Weather Service in Birmingham, the NOAA Natural Disaster Survey reported the event and from the Storm Prediction Center. We have more tornado history on our website, tornadotalk.com. It includes a summary of this event and the other devastating F4, the outbreak that hit parts of North Georgia. Get hooked on more tornado history by following us on social media. Hi, my name is James Spann with the Weather Brains Podcast, and here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here, and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which include tornadoes. What if a tornado threatens while you are at school? Your school should have a severe weather plan, including the best locations to take shelter during a tornado warning. In the event that a tornado warning is issued for your area, proceed to your tornado shelter location quickly and calmly. Stay away from windows and do not go to large open rooms, such as cafeterias, gymnasiums, or auditoriums. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov WRN. All right, welcome back. Time now for some fun. That's right, we've got WX Resources, and here to kick us off with WX Resources, which is places to go where you can kind of find out real cool weather stuff, some new technology, new gadgetry, whatever, even apps. 
Phil, you got one, don't you? I, I you know, I do have a WX resource, uh, and and this is just nothing specific. It's more so. I went uh, uh, chasing, storm chasing um, uh, this past week. We had some uh, severe weather up in uh, mostly uh, kind of I'd say western Kentucky, southern Indiana, into western Ohio. Um, but I was out in Indiana and one of the things, and, and I was just chasing by myself, uh, got on three different tornado worn storms at the time. Uh, they didn't drop anything. They were moving guys. These storms were moving, uh, 60 to 70 miles an hour. So you just had to hope you were in the right place at the right time. Cause you weren't going to catch up to them. But one of the things that was huge was for, I use my phone quite a bit for, uh, I use it for two things for my radar as well as for my uh, navigation. And what was great was I have got a suction cup mount that I can mount right on my windshield and I can uh, hook my uh, phone right into that thing. Uh, you can go on to Amazon or whatever and just search uh, suction cup or windshield mounts for your iPhone or your Android. But this was perfect because it keeps it right at eye level. I don't have to look down at my dash. I don't have to look down at the floor. I don't have to look to the right. I can basically look almost straight ahead and see where I'm going, see the radar. Uh, it's really vital, especially when you're chasing by yourself. I think that that was really important. So my, my weather resources, and it's pretty inexpensive if you don't have one and you like to chase or do any of that stuff, it's great to just pop your phone right up there on the windshield. And that might not be legal in every state, so you'll want to check and see, because I think I've heard of some things, if you've got anything on your windshield yeah. or, or right there. Or just wait for the trooper to pull you so over and tell you. conservative, man. Right? <laughs> they won't see you go like this. I'm taking it down. I, I, yeah. You know, I think, <clears throat> I think Minnesota might have been a state that at one point – if you had a navigation, you know, the old Garmin's and, and Tom oh, yeah, Tom's yeah. that you couldn't have that in your dash that might, but honestly, I don't think anybody's going to pull you over because okay. you got something on your Gotcha. Board. Dina, you've got something. Uh, it's eight. Uh, it's preview.weather.gov forward slash E D D forward slash. And mainly this is a national weather service enhanced display. Uh, it's experimental. And you can actually put all kinds of layers on it. I love it because it combines a bunch of different um, pages like SPC and the National Weather Service. So you can add radar if you want. You can turn on forecast. You can turn on OBS. I like the storm reports and you could pick the hour that you want to. If you hover your mouse over it, it will give you the storm report. You can click on webcams and look at webcams. I mean, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. I love this. Uh, it's something I use every single day, um, and it works pretty great. I, I, I love stuff I've, like that. I've, yeah, I've seen that before too, but I think that's yeah. been like experimental for 20 years. It has, but it? I mean, I love it because you can get so many different layers on it, um, and I like the st uh, storm reports especially, um, and then being able to kind of like even look at a webcam if you want. It'll give you forecasts, everything. It's EDD for the ADD. <laughs> exactly. All right. Just saying. Squirrel. Sorry. Squirrel. All right. So, uh, Joel, do you have something? I do. Um, and I am sharing this guy real quick so you can see. Um, so this is marinetraffic.com, which takes a uh, Google map and overlays metadata of every single ship on planet earth that's out oh. to sea 
So the uh, I know people have probably seen <laughs> photos before yeah. of severe storms approaching an airport where you'll have, you'll see all the planes trying to route around the storm or, you know, circle ahead of the storm or behind it, waiting for the storm to pass so they can land. Uh, same concept, but for boats in the ocean. And you can even see some along the Mississippi and other rivers. There, there was a lot um, of chaser convergence there in the Baltic. Baltic uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So do the, do the different colors mean something yeah so they're different ship types ship classes um but is this this is a a not really super interesting right now but in toward uh hurricane season this this resource is really interesting to watch um because as a storm you know the the warning starts popping up in the ocean and it starts to organize and you know maybe it becomes a tropical storm then maybe it becomes a cat one you will see all of the smarter vessels uh, start to <laughs> get out of its path, and occasionally you find one uh, maybe not so smart captain or very brave captain just go right through the middle of it. Um, and if you drill down on a particular that, that would ship, be Captain Morgan, right? By the way. And not <laughs> no. you, Morgan, so, but when you but, mouse you know, over some of these, like the big yeah, blue ones here, these are uh, cruise ships, uh, big, uh, big. The red purple ones, ones mean. Do, do they put the name of the captain on there so you yeah, can throw, actually, make so them like a weather one, fool next next episode? This one's a, a Hong Kong flagged. There you go. Big. That looks like an oil tanker. That's not a cruise ship. Yeah, <laughs> maybe um, in China. One, I don't. This know. one right here is a Norwegian. Yeah, cruise ship. Disney. That was a Disney Disney cruise ship coming back to uh, probably Fort Lauderdale or Palm nice. Beach or something. Oh, cool. But um, it's super interesting in hurricane season. To see where everyone's routing, or maybe that the the storm that we had in the Pacific a few weeks ago, I was watching it, and uh, uh, you can also watch their speed if you drill some of these. It doesn't work for every ship, but some of these you can drill in and get a detail page on the ship and get a history of the vessel's speed. So as it starts to get into rougher waters, you'll see its speed drop down. Um, as it's coming, oh, you know, trying trying to get out of the path of a storm or coming into the wake of a storm or something, versus you know, out here where I don't know what the weather is out here in the Pacific right now, but you know, if, if there's no weather, it'll be steaming along at a steady pace um, with a steady track on the graph of its speed, um, and it's super interesting because also you'll see, you know, when when we have hurricanes coming in on the east coast, because mm-hmm. I'm in Virginia, so I watch those the most. You'll see a lot of the 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 ships leave port in advance and move up and down the coast to put into port somewhere else to trying to get out of where the eye is going to make landfall. It's just super interesting. I really like this site. So now you can stalk your family on a cruise ship too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Checking. All right. Hey, and right along those same lines, um, I've got one too. And it's called, yeah, I know. Right. Once, once every three years. I'm proud of you. Good job. So this, there's a whole bunch of different layers, but this kind of, Joel, kind of goes along with yours because this one I've actually put on waves. Oh, So if you hover over, look at that, 12.6 Oh, wow, that's great. I'm digging it. Check this out, 17, 18 foot waves, up 9, 20 foot waves. I mean, how cool will that be during hurricane season? So explain what it is. It's another Tell, site you, that you I look told at. Us what yeah, the site is. Yeah. It's the same thing, but for wind over land. It's like wind.com or something. Overlay. Yeah. 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 
So yeah. I'm so Maz, explain explain what you haven't given us the name of the website yet. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. It's Ventusky, V-E-N-T-U-S-K-Y dot com. And on the left side, it has a whole bunch of different layers you can put on there. But I've clicked on the waves because I love that one. I was That's just like, cool. oh, I'm totally. And of course, you can zoom into it, but I don't have my I don't have my mouse uh, plugged in right now because you can zoom right into that, and it's it's very amazing. I, I love the fact that you can see you know like wind speeds, wind directions. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. Oh, that's neat. <clears throat> and you can wow, zoom yeah, she had a really good one after three years. Yeah, thank well, you. you yeah, that, that was worth the wait. See you in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so that is Venture Sky. And of course, you can do I have to unshare my screen now? Yes, yes. you do. Just say stop sharing. You're good. Really? Did I do it? Um, it's black, it's blank, but go blank? Oh, there. You are. Go ahead. Okay, okay. So, um, and that's everybody, radio. right? That's everybody. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. So you can check out all these sites, in case you missed them. You didn't get a chance here. Pin around of ink, whatever on uh stormfrontfreaks.com episode 75 show notes or on your podcast app, Phil. Pretty cool stuff. All right. Good stuff. Uh, great. Makes for great radio on there. Uh, but that was good. All right. Uh, hashtag weather fools, Dina. You got all right. it. Yeah. This is the part of the show. That's the most fun. Uh, it's the part of the show where we get to kind of make fun of you if you do something stupid and it has to do with weather. We call it Weather Fools. All right, Phil, you've got one. What is it? All right. So my Weather Fool uh, brings us to Twitter. Uh, and I'm not going to share this on the screen, but I'm going to cover with you. A lot of you probably saw on Twitter. There was a video um, this past. This was from March 13th of... Uh, heavy winds. This was down. I'm trying to think where this was. I think it was in Texas. Yeah, Amarillo, Texas. And there was a, a semi truck uh, going across a bridge or a big stretch, and it got blown over. Did you guys oh, see that? Oh yeah, that I video? did see it. So Blake Brown. That came from Blake Brown, and uh, he said, "In his so here goes. He goes not one but two semi trucks flip over in the same spot. Well, here that's not the weather fool. My weather fool is this." Um, Lisa Dalzell Spooner. She is a uh, anchor woman for where is she at NBC Two in Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, she came back and she said on Twitter, uh, she basically said, "Hey Blake, I know you have not for broadcast in this video, but if I ask pretty please, would you give an exception? <laughs> I work for the NBC in Fort Myers, Florida. Thanks." And Dina, obviously, you you kind of have deal with this as well. But this, all this did was just made <laughs> all the up. chasers and photographers just totally ganged up on her. Uh, Aaron came back and said, "Hey Blake, I know you spent your own money and your own equipment and gas to get to the location and have bills to pay, but I have no shame and do not care about the money you spent. Can you let me Whoa. use this video? I'll give you credit because credit pays the bills, right?" Lisa comes back and says, yes, because asking permission to use video on Twitter is a new thing, Aaron. I roll. Aaron came back and said, oh, it's definitely not new, but it should be looked down on. Your network will make money off the footage, yet you ask for video and promise credit. Credit doesn't pay bills, Lisa. Here is what Lisa came back with. And oh, this God. is why oh, she's my weather Sensing a troll bot. So she comes back. She says, mm. so how are we going to make money off the footage? You think 15 to 20 seconds of whether the footage is in the newscast or not makes a difference? No. It was really cool video. That would have been cool to share with viewers here in Florida who aren't there, but whatever. 
Oh, well, geez. of course, she just everyone was like, this is what newscasts do. They get good footage so they can get viewers to make money. That's yeah. what it's all. The, the, so the has, whatever is the, is the yeah. kicker. There. Yeah. yeah. And she has no clue. <laughs> Obviously, she doesn't get the fact that this is how their stupid station makes money anyway. But uh, it was just she she kept going down the rabbit hole and she made it worse for herself. So, just Lisa, you are our hashtag weather fool. Wow. All right, all right, Dina, all let's right, wrap I it up, one. please. <laughs> all right, so this is a cute one. This was um with all the snow. A cop finds a Mustang made of snow and tickets it, but it's not a real Mustang. It's something that <laughs> a guy and his son, I think, carved out of snow. And if you watch it, it says, don't be fooled. That's no Mustang. It's a snow Mustang. And the cop comes up to it, and he was kind of looking at it. And uh, it does really look like a real car, like... You kind of look at it, you're like, people had way too much time on their hands. Like maybe they lost power and couldn't watch TV or something because they went out and did this. So as a joke, the cop ticketed it for double parking. Shadrin, Nebraska. <laughs> it's so a cute. It was cute. You guys got to like just kind of see it. Um, but it does look real. <laughs> she said it. Episode 75, show notes. Uh, check it out. So I, I, this please God, this this just about does it for the episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. Just clear us, man. Oh my God! Thanks for listening or watching. If you made it this far, God help you. God but before you. before I reveal our next guest, if you enjoy our show, uh, please. I shouldn't ask this now. I should have asked this <laughs> before those segments. But do please. us a favor. Leave leave a great review on your podcast app. Uh, you were begging, I, man. I just said pot ass or something. something. I didn't say right, but, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show by hitting your podcast app subscribe button. Uh, works just like a magazine or a newspaper subscription, but this one is free. All it means is when you subscribe, uh, the you minute no we money. post, yeah, the minute we post the show, shows up right in your podcast inbox, which is awesome. Uh, but I do want to say a special thanks to our guest tonight, Ada Manzon. Yeah, uh, she was outstanding, yeah. and to our our guest co-host Joel Hausman. Joel, thanks for Joel. coming on. Thanks, thanks for having uh, me. Good on. Job. Do Good me job. a favor for the five people that are still listening at this point, uh, but please tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Ice Station Hausman and what so, it's all about. Ice Station Hausman is we're more of an an, an enthusiast. Um, podcast, but we cover a variety of topics, anything from whatever the latest storm was that's in the news that week, if it just so happens to be near when we're recording, to if there's nothing really going on interesting weather-wise that week, um, we'll talk about, you know, what causes El Nino or, you know, a historic, you know, list of historic weather uh, cold snaps going back to the 1800s. Um, We've covered just about, we've covered, I was telling Phil the other day, uh, weather in outer space on other planets in the solar system, um, like what you may see in the atmosphere of Neptune, uh, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. Um, and uh, co-hosting with me is um, Jimmy Marks, who's also an enthusiast, and Becky DePodwin, who is an actual meteorologist at uh, AccuWeather, um, and she specializes in um, uh, preparedness and 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 discussions about that and 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 research about that and. Um, uh, yeah, so we've we've had cool. all sorts yeah, of cool, cool episodes, and 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 we come out. You know, we, we try to record at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. Joel, it, it's tough to verify weather on Neptune, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> I so, want a so, real observation. A, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of that episode was based on what we know about it. We think <laughs> it's going to be, you know, missed it by that much. 
All right, and and along with that, uh, we've got Dina as as part of our National Weather Podcast Month. Dina, you're going to be a guest panelist on Weather Brains uh, this week as yes. well, and then uh, MJ is going to be joining the crew at Carolina Weather Group. Uh, oh, they were week. fun. So, I was on there last last year. Yeah. So so anyway, so we're having fun with that. Our next episode is going to be in two weeks. We're going to be recording on April fourth. Uh, with opening day baseball here, uh, we'll have Minnesota Twins meteorologist Mace Michaels. Uh, they're going to be coming off their home opener on March 28th. So uh, we'll have him on the show, talk a little uh, opening day baseball and, and forecasting for uh, uh, professional baseball events. But if you'd like to watch the recording live, uh, we'll be at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Check us out on our YouTube channel by searching Stormfront Freaks. So for this uh, two-and-a-half-hour episode, uh, for Maz and Dina, Morgan, our intern, and Joel, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all-clear, and we're going to catch you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Watch our shows on YouTube and Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our live interactive Storm Chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.